So we're starting a, a new series today that's going to last for about six weeks, and it's called Encounters with Jesus. Um, have you uh, ever thought or ever felt that if you had a chance to interview someone in history, who would that person actually be? Or if you were given the opportunity maybe to have a meal with someone, who would that be? Or if you could choose anyone in the world to be a mentor to you in a particular area, who would you choose? Um, maybe it would be a great scholar. Maybe it would be uh, a sports figure or a political leader or a musician. Uh, there are so many people throughout history that I would like to meet. And maybe there are so many people in history that you would like to meet as well. Like Michael Jordan, right? Peyton Manning, Wayne Gretzky, um, Recently, uh, an evangelist in Africa, his name is Reinhard Bonke, he passed away. I would have loved to have met him. Um, and some of the modern missionaries and some of the sacrifices they made are very inspiring. People like Hudson Taylor, Roland Bingham, William Carey. Um, I would love to be able to have a conversation with them, although that's not possible anymore. So, it, it, But in this series of encounters with Jesus, what we want to look at is people in the Bible that had the privilege and opportunity to actually encounter Jesus and have a conversation with him, have an interaction with him. Um, and the lasting and transformational impact that Jesus had on those, on those lives. So um, we wanted to, in these next few weeks, just look at different stories in the, in the New Testament and see how Jesus, who was such a transformational figure, who was such an important figure throughout history, how he had an impact on various people. Um, and so as we do that, our prayer is that we all would have an encounter with Jesus. We all would be able to meet Jesus and see him and have a similar kind of encounter that changes our life in a very positive way for the glory of God. Now, there were 12 disciples that Jesus chose to follow him, to be with him. And today I want to just look at one of those disciples, and his name is Peter, right? And Peter had a, an amazing encounter with the Lord, not just one time, but a few times. We read in Scripture from John 21 this encounter that Peter had, and we'll get to that at the end of the message. Uh, but before that, let's just say a word of prayer and ask the Lord to come and give us an encounter with him today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Jesus Christ into the world. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you give to us to know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And Lord, we pray that as we start this series of, of uh, talks, Lord, that you would uh, help us, Lord, to be able to encounter you, to know you more deeply, to love you more intimately, Lord, to be transformed by you. And so, Lord, we pray that as we hear your word, that you would speak to us and that you would inspire us and encourage us and help us, most of all, Lord, to be doers of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'd like to just highlight three things uh, in the story of Peter throughout the, throughout the Gospels, throughout the whole New Testament, three things that I think was really impactful um, for me and also I believe would be impactful for our lives as we seek to have an encounter with Jesus. And the first thing is that Peter's encounter with Jesus caused him to dedicate his life completely to Christ, right? How many of us hear that our encounter with Jesus caused us to do the same? And maybe you're here today and you're just listening and maybe you feel like you don't, you don't want to make that step 
towards the Lord. I want to encourage you by the story of Peter and how Peter came to the Lord. I'm going to just read a a large portion of scripture here from Luke chapter 5. This was sort of the first, close to the first encounter that Peter had with Jesus. From Luke 5, it says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed on, pressed on to him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, who is Peter, uh, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat on the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Peter, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, but if you... Uh, Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. Do you notice any similarities between this story and what we just read in John 21? A few similarities there. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help was uh, brought their partners to the other in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as they were, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And then see here what it says in verses 10 and 11. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Completely dedicated to Christ and his cause. Completely sold out to what Jesus wanted for them. And I think when we think of this idea that Peter's encounter with Jesus, see, this one encounter that Peter had caused him to leave everything, to dedicate his life completely to Christ. And I think a couple of lessons that we can learn here first is that Peter saw his sinfulness in the light of Jesus's goodness, glory, and love. See, they had been fishing for hours and they didn't catch a thing. Now, it was weird for a carpenter to tell fishermen how to fish, right? You don't tell fishermen how to fish. They're fishing for their whole entire life. But Jesus told them, let down the nets, and Peter obeyed. When the nets were filled up, They were about to tear, and even the other fishermen were so surprised at the amount of fish that were caught. Peter was overwhelmed by what? Peter was overwhelmed by Jesus' goodness, kindness, provision, love, and mercy. See, Peter had been fishing the whole night and didn't catch anything. And then Jesus comes along and says, Peter, throw your net down here. Peter does that. Peter's in the fishing business. He's a businessman in the fishing business. And he throws his net down. He takes his large catch of fish. And he's probably thinking, how much money am I going to make with all of this fish? I could sell this fish for a great amount of money. My business now is skyrocketing. Jesus, just stay close here to me. And as long as you're here, my business is going to get bigger and bigger and better. And I am going to be blessed. But he says here, In verse 8, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. See, the goodness of God, the kindness of God, the love of God should lead us to a realization of our sinfulness. 
God's provision for us, God's blessing for us should, should lead us to a place where we realize how sinful we are. Romans 2 says something to that effect when it says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is indeed to turn you from your sin? See, God shows us kindness, God shows us love, God shows us grace, God shows us mercy, God shows us all these wonderful things in order to bring us to repentance, in order to show us our sinfulness. We need such an encounter with Jesus. We need such an encounter where we see the holiness of God and we see the sinfulness of our lives. We need such an encounter with Jesus where we see the purity of Christ and we see how far short we fall because he gives us such hope. Because when Peter says, Lord, leave me alone, I'm such a sinful person, what did Jesus say? Did he say, yeah, you're right. You know, I don't want anything to do, to you, do with you. No. Jesus blessed him. And he said, Peter, you're not going to ca- catch fish anymore, but you're going to catch men. You're going to catch people. Just the fact that we're living here, living here in, in the country of Canada, we're in this warm building when it's cold outside, that we have food to eat, a place to stay, clothing to wear. All of these things are God's provision and blessing from the Lord. And that goodness that God provides for us should lead us to an acknowledgement and realization of our sinfulness and need for Christ. It's, it's what happened to Peter. Peter saw God's goodness and then he said, I'm a sinful person. It happened to the prophet Isaiah when he saw the glory of God, when he saw the, the, the holiness of God, and he said, Lord, I'm a sinful person, right? The second thing in this, in this dedication to walk with the Lord, this, this, completely, uh, this complete surrender to Christ, I think the second thing that's important is that Jesus gave Peter a purpose that was far greater than being a fisherman, in, a, in another place, we read about how Jesus called Peter and said to him, follow me. And Peter and his brother responded. Here, Jesus caused Peter to see beyond himself. Here, Jesus caused Peter to see beyond his fishing business and even beyond this life. And that's what an encounter with Jesus will do. So many times we are so self-centered, self-focused, temporally minded, and we just see our life and what's within us, and we just look at the brevity of life, and we are just concentrated on this world. But an encounter with, with Jesus will radically transform our life if we are completely sold out to him to the point that Jesus will help us to see beyond ourself, will give us a greater purpose. And that's what happened for Peter. Peter's encounter with Jesus pushed him to see things that he might not have seen on his own, but Jesus helped him to see it. Instead of being self-focused, money-driven, prosperity-driven, comfort-seeking, we lose the bigger picture of the kingdom of God and what God is trying to do in this world and in our lives for his kingdom purpose. Our thoughts and our ambitions and our plans and our purposes Many times we're all just focused on our good and not for the kingdom of God. And in this situation, Peter as a businessman, Peter as a fisherman probably would have thought, hey, I got all this fish, this is great. But Jesus said, no, don't look at the fish. Peter, I have something greater for you. I don't want you just to catch fish, but I want you to catch people. 
And many times we're so limited in our focus. Many times we're so limited in our purpose. Many times we're so limited in our vision that we, we just look down at the things here. But God was giving Peter an eternal purpose, an eternal vision. Peter, I want you to catch people so that they're not only blessed here in this world, but they're blessed for all eternity. Peter, I want you to be a person that shares my love and grace and shares my purpose and plans so that they can be with me in heaven for all eternity. Fish is good for now, you know? It'll give us a meal maybe for lunch. But Peter, I want you to catch people. See, when Peter was completely sold out and focused to surrender his life to Christ, that encounter with Jesus gave him a purpose that was way beyond anything he had ever considered. What could a poor, illiterate fisherman do? Oh, he did great things. We're still talking about him till today. Because he had an encounter with Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 and 10, it says, That is what the scriptures mean when they say, I has, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. You know, for each and every one of us here, God has a beautiful purpose and a plan for our lives. And many times we become so limited because we just look at our life and our family and our environment and our job when God wants to give us a vision and a picture that lasts far beyond this life and that's far greater than ourselves and that lasts into the kingdom of God, the eternal kingdom of God, because God wants us, like Peter, to be fishers of people. And so that our vision will extend far beyond what we normally think. And what Peter had thought and what Peter had maybe imagined or visioned for his life was radically changed and radically transformed when he met this man, Jesus. And Jesus said, Peter, I have something way better for you. And I really believe that even today, the Spirit of the Lord is here and he wants to tell us, I have something radically different for you. I have something much greater for you. I have something that is amazing for you. And I want you to see beyond ourselves, beyond our little focus here, and see the great things that we can do for the kingdom of God that last for all eternity. To see the great things that we can do to do God's will, to be able to pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so that we can see God's will and purposes accomplished. An encounter with Jesus will enlighten our eyes to see beyond ourselves, just like it did for Peter. Beyond what we hold dear and what we think is important. Jesus told him, you will be fishing for people, way better than fish. Helping people to see the glory of God. Helping people to see his plan. Helping people to experience the love of God. Helping people to see their purpose in life. What a calling. Peter was willing to give up his dream in order to do the will of God. Peter was willing. If you, if you put yourself in Peter's shoes, on one particular day, when you have a huge haul of fish, is that the day to give up your business? No. That's the day to say, wow, man, my business is flourishing. I'm going to reinvest. I'm going to do this and this. I need to hire some more staff. I need to do this and this. I'm going to expand. We're going to go international. We're going to do this and this. We can make so many plans. But instead, Jesus gave Peter a vision far beyond his own vision. And Peter said, forget it. This is not worth it. I'm leaving that. I'm going to follow Jesus. And it says that he left everything 
and follow Jesus? Are we willing to make such a, such a, such a sacrifice, such a dedication? I want to show you a video because I thought the video tells it much better than I would tell the story. And it's of a man named Todd Peterson who was a place kicker in the NFL. Super Bowl's close. You know, I always talk about football when it comes to football season. So Super Bowl is only a few weeks away. This man, Todd Peterson, he was an NFL place kicker. And who had it all? Had enough money. Until God challenged him and gave him a vision of something that was greater. Just watch this video. As my career was winding down, um, I had heard my whole career that uh, you play until they rip the jersey off your back. And I'd gotten that advice from good men, godly guys, influential guys in my life, guys who'd mentored me, discipled me, challenged me. I stood on their shoulders, and it makes sense. I mean, what else are you going to do to make that kind of living and to have that kind of fun? And, you know, it's a real jungle out there if you go to have a real job. And and so it made a ton of sense to think, man, I'm going to kick until I can't kick. They're going to have to wheel me out of here in a wheelchair, you know, or rip the jersey off my back. And that last couple of years, it just felt like I reached a place where the joy really wasn't there. Um, the joy of my job was walking in the locker room and loving a teammate. It wasn't kicking a football. And uh, really my last couple of years specifically, it was the rookie punter on my team in San Fran and the rookie punter on my team in Atlanta when I went from San Francisco to Atlanta, uh, both of whom were young believers. And it was more like, man, I get the privilege of discipling these guys, mentoring these guys, loving these guys, serving these guys. Um, that was where the joy lied. I'll never forget laying in bed after my last year playing uh, one night and just saying to Susan, I guess I'll play another year. And uh, with doing nothing at all, it was going to be a substantial income. And, and what else did I have to do? Then it was kind of like there's that scripture that says, don't trade away what is eternal for what is temporal. And short of making money or literally discipling maybe a guy, I couldn't come up with a reason to play. There was no joy at all in the idea of playing. And I thought, you know what, there's got to be more. And it was like kind of in those days and, and that kind of period of time that God gave me a vision for um, hosting a major uh, kind of event and gathering for the work of Bible translation, which ended up being a really significant thing. Um, you know, if we'd have played and made another million bucks or whatever and we could have given it all away, that would have been awesome. Uh, and we were convicted that if we were going to play, we were going to give it all away. And then it was kind of like, but God does more. That's what Ephesians 3 says. He always is doing more than we could imagine. And what God intended was for us not to play and for us to give our lives to this process of, of building out this uh, event and this gathering of people. And it ended up being like five million bucks for Bible translation. And and so it was a huge, huge moment in my life to understand that, that when we understand we are God's workmanship created in Christ to do great works, which he prepared in advance for us to do, and we walk humbly with him, what he does is what he says he will do, exceeding abundantly more than we could ever imagine. He does it in and through us. And um, just a massive, massive defining moment in our faith wrapped up in all of that was a really, really personal challenge. Uh, we felt like God said, keep giving like you're playing. And all of a sudden, that didn't make a ton of sense. You know, how are you going to keep giving like you're playing when you're not playing, right? I mean, you don't play for free. You play to get paid, really, literally. That's the talk in the locker room. Man, he's playing to get paid. 
he's playing out of his mind. I know because he's going to get paid this spring, you know. And um, it's amazing how good guys play in the last year of a contract. They are laser focused. Um, and so now all of a sudden, how are you going to give like you're still playing? Because that income evaporates. It disappears. And there aren't a whole lot of things I know you can do in this world that generate income like playing pro sports. Um, I'm not a brain surgeon. Um, and so we were convicted that God said, give like you're playing. And all that led into this same host, this thing and give your lives to kingdom work. And, and, um, God's provided. It's been a massive privilege to see God put us in a position to keep giving like we're playing. In fact, to give more every year and to um, explain that we can't explain that. Philippians 4 says, God is faithful to supply all our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. And God has supplied our needs. He's abundantly supplied our needs. He's put us in a position to give like we're playing. And that's pretty humbling. Videos from the Gospel uh, Patrons uh, website, they have a lot of good testimonies of people that uh, God is using for kingdom purposes, and what an amazing thing for us to be able to see beyond our own life and beyond our own vision when God calls us to do something that maybe we're not comfortable with doing and maybe that we don't really see. Like if you asked Peter and told Peter, hey Peter, you're going to fish for people, Peter might have said, what do you mean fish for people? It's like, I don't know what that's about, I only know about fishing for fish. But God called Peter to do that. God gave him such an amazing vision beyond his own, uh, his own life. The second thing I think that's important for us uh, to understand from, this life of, from the life of Peter is that uh, Peter's encounter with Jesus helped him through the failures of life. Anyone here you've ever failed before? Just a couple of people? All right, well, for the other ones that haven't failed, just skip over this point. Just wait till point number three, right? But, you know, Peter... Peter was a guy that put his foot in his mouth like all the time, right? Time and time again. There were so many times. Yet Jesus always responded to Peter in kindness, in compassion, and in love. And there's so many encounters that Jesus had with Peter that made such a deep impact. In Matthew 15, Peter says he doesn't understand this parable that Jesus is teaching. And so Jesus graciously gives him the interpretation of that parable. One day, Jesus is walking on the water and Peter couldn't believe it. He sees Peter. He sees Jesus walking on the water. He couldn't believe that's actually Jesus. So out of all the the disciples who raises their voice Peter and says hey Jesus is that's really you call me to come out on the water and Jesus said, yes it's me come out on the water he, wa- he Peter's walking on the water now but then all of a sudden he starts to doubt and then he starts to sink and then he cries out to Jesus for help and Jesus helps him at that time Another time that Peter put his foot in the mouth was when they had to collect the temple tax. They were in, in a certain place and the temple tax collectors came to Peter and says, hey, doesn't your master pay the temple tax? And Peter said, yeah, of course he pays the temple tax. And then he go, Peter goes to Jesus and Jesus says, why did you say that? Do you not understand this? And he gives them a whole explanation and process. But Jesus being so gracious and compassionate and kind to Peter says, but Peter, don't worry, go out fishing. The first fish you catch, you'll find some money there. Use that, pay the tax for yourself and for me. And Peter's probably wondering, this carpenter has been telling me all the time, throw my net here and all this fish come. Now he tells me to throw my net, I'm going to catch a fish, and he's going to have money in it. I've never seen that before. But he does it because Jesus is gracious and kind to Peter. The encounters that Peter has, even in the midst of his failures, even in the midst of the times when Peter doesn't know what's going on, we see that Jesus helps him through all of those things, right? 
Another time that uh, Jesus was, uh, the, Jesus asked the disciples and said, disciples, who do people say that I am? And then they, and then Peter, of course, pipes in first, right? Peter's always, you know, you have this group of people. Peter's the first guy to answer. Peter's the first guy to talk up. Peter's the first guy to put his foot in his mouth, right? And so Peter says, Lord, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. He got that right finally, right? So you are the Lord, the Messiah, the Son of God. And then Jesus says, yes, that's great, Peter. This revelation is from, from the Lord, from the Father. But a few verses later, when Jesus is talking about how he's going to die, Peter, of course, speaks up again and pipes in and says, Jesus, no, 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 you can't die. You can't do any of those things. And Jesus rebukes Peter and says, no, Peter, get behind me. He even called him Satan, right? But I think part of kindness and, and, kindness and love is also correction, Part of kindness and love and compassion is correction, and Jesus corrected Peter. But finally, the the culmination of all of these failures comes when Jesus is ready to go to the cross, and Peter denies Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. In Matthew 26, we read the story. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. This is typical Peter language here, right? Like, Peter is like, it doesn't matter if everyone else dies off Jesus, I will stay faithful to you till the very end right? But then Jesus says, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. This would have been really discouraging for Peter to hear this. What if Jesus told you this? You're going to deny me three times. How would we react to that? But look at what else Jesus tells Peter. This is the compassion and love of Jesus, of helping, Jesus, of helping Peter through his trials and problems. He says, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, Peter, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented, turn to me again, strengthen your brothers. Can you believe what Jesus is saying here? He's saying, Peter, you're going to deny me. You know, if it was us in the church right now, like, The church culture right now, if someone's going to deny Jesus, forget it. You're gone. Don't come back ever again. Right? That's how we might react. You did what? You denied Jesus in front of everyone? But Jesus says to Peter here, Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. I've prayed for you that not only will you come back to me, but you will be the person that strengthens the other disciples. That you will be the one to work and help the other disciples. See, in this time, when, in this encounter with Jesus, and the encounters that Peter had all throughout the Gospels, and Jesus helping him through all of his failures, one thing we see is that Jesus gives Peter hope in the midst of his failure. The affirmation, the trust, the confidence that Jesus showed in Peter is simply amazing. It's the power of belief. It's the power that when someone believes in you, how much confidence and strength and trust you have. When when someone is there by your side to walk with you, to encourage you, to strengthen you, that gives a person so much affirmation. The words of our mouth are so powerful. And the affirmation that Jesus gave to Peter is simply amazing because it helped Peter through these failures. I don't know how the story would have changed if Jesus didn't pray for Peter, if Jesus didn't affirm Peter, even before Peter failed. How would the story be different? We don't know. But the encounter that that Peter had with Jesus helped through all the trials and through all the failures. And Jesus wants us to see hope. 
Jesus wants us to see a future even when we fail. I fail all the time, but I have hope because Jesus is on my side. I fail all the time, and there's so many things that I do wrong, and there's so many times I have to say, Lord, please forgive me. But time and time and time again, Jesus comes back and affirms me. Time and time again, Jesus comes back to help me. Time and time again, Jesus comes back to forgive me. And let me tell you, that is the nature and character of Christ. It's not just for Peter. It's not just for me, but it's for all of us. Where Jesus continually comes to affirm us. Today, God wants to give us hope. God wants us to have a future even when we feel like we have failed. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a hope and a future. Now this is a verse that's often quoted, but do you know what the context of this verse is? The context of this verse is that the children of Israel were taken into captivity for their own fault. They had rebelled against God. They had disobeyed the Lord. They had messed up. They had worshipped idols. They had done all sorts of things. God allowed them to be taken into captivity. And while they're in captivity, God sends them this word and says, Look, I know the plans that I have for you. And look, even though you've rebelled against me, even though you've disobeyed me, even though you've worshipped idols, even though you've gone far away from me, I want to tell you that I have a plan for you. And I have a future for you. And there is hope in me. And I don't know what situation you are here today. And if you feel like you're a failure, if you feel like you've messed up, if you feel like that there's no more hope, if you feel like you've just gone from bad to worse, let me tell you, the children of Israel, they were in a terrible situation. And God said, I know the plans that I have towards you. I'm going to give you a hope. I'm going to give you a future. The same thing that he told Peter. When he said, you're going to betray me, you're going to deny me, you're going to go far away from me. But Peter, I have prayed for you, and you're going to come back. And not only that, you should be the leader to encourage all your brothers and the other disciples. Isn't that amazing? That Peter, that Jesus believes in Peter so much? Let me tell you that Jesus believes in you in the same way that he believes in Peter. Because we are his precious children. There is such a sense of affirmation that we can get for the Lord when we have such an encounter with Jesus, right? And the second thing is that Jesus' look of love brought Peter to repentance. Even in the midst of all these failures, Jesus was still looking at Peter with love. Finally, when Peter betrayed Jesus, it wasn't just a simple betrayal. It was a denial, another denial, and a third denial, and even swearing and saying, I don't know this man, Jesus, But finally, after that third denial, see what it says here in Luke 22. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. This is right after Peter denied him. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard, weeping bitterly. See, that broke Peter. That look of love. I don't think it was a look of condemnation. I don't think it was a look of, of, of anything else other than a look of love. Why? Because you see all through the Gospels, many times in Scripture when we see Jesus showing love by healing someone, by forgiving someone, by accepting someone, by going the extra mile for someone, it was all done out of love. And this look that Jesus gives to Peter, I really believe it's a look of love that just broke Peter. We need such an encounter with the Lord as well. We need such an encounter with Jesus that breaks us, that brings us back to him. And the third and final thing is that Peter's encounter with Jesus affirmed his calling and purpose. 
Now, we're going to fast forward to John chapter 21, which is the scripture reading that we did, the worship team did together. See, Peter was so discouraged after he had denied the Lord. Peter was so, he wept and he, was, he wept bitterly because of what he had done. And probably Peter didn't know if there was still hope, even though Jesus told him ahead of time, Peter, there's still hope. Even though Jesus told him ahead of time, Peter, you're going to encourage your brothers. But it looks like Peter has lost all hope. He goes back fishing, not seeking after the Lord. He knew his failure, and he had cried about it. But in John 21, we read the story of the restoration of Peter. Peter's fishing, and Jesus is on the shore making some breakfast. And uh, the same thing happens to Peter that what happened in the first story, right? Remember the first story that we read? of how Peter is in the boat and they haven't caught anything the whole night. Jesus says, throw your net in and they got a huge amount of fish. The same exact same thing happens in John 21. Jesus calls out, hey, have you caught anything? No, we've been fishing all night. Nothing's here. Jesus says, throw the net into the water. And they do it and they catch a whole huge number of fish. They even took the time to count how many fish. How many was that, 153? Yeah. I think they were really impressed. They took the time to count every single one of those pieces of fish. But then we read this conversation in John 21. This is just one portion of it. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. He asked the same question two more times, just changing the word from lambs to sheep. Perhaps a representation of Peter's denial three times. Jesus asking three times, do you love me? But I think the thing to realize here is that even though Peter denied and betrayed the Lord, yet Jesus affirms Peter's calling to lead his people. Yet Jesus affirms Peter's calling to care for his people. Yet Jesus affirms Peter's calling to feed his people. Isn't that amazing? That encounter with Jesus here in a time of great discouragement, in a time when thinking everything is lost, Peter has another encounter with Jesus that brings such a radical affirmation in his life to say, Peter, I still want you. It goes back to the same purpose that Jesus called Peter at the beginning. What was that purpose that Jesus called Peter? Remember we talked about it? Seeing, a, having a vision much beyond ourselves, having a vision beyond our life. And when Peter was just probably thinking about, man, it'd be great if I had a good fishing business and had a little outlet here, a little outlet there, you know, generating a little bit of income. And Jesus comes and says, no, 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 Peter, forget the fishing business. I want you to fish for people. And then coming back here again, Jesus reiterates that same purpose. And he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you, Lord. Then Peter says, feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Catch some men. Catch some people. I want you to be a fisher of men. Despite the failures, Jesus didn't give up on Peter, and he doesn't give up on us. Despite the denials, Jesus didn't give up on Peter, and he doesn't give up on us. Despite the failures, Jesus affirmed Peter's calling and Peter's purpose to take care of this fledgling church. Can you see the amount of trust, the amount of love, the amount of confidence, the amount of affirmation that Jesus has for this man who continually, we, we looked at a few of them, and we, didn't have, we don't have time to look at all the failures of Peter, but continually he just puts his foot in his mouth and says things he shouldn't and has a failure after failure. Even right after, we read it, right after this, this, uh, this experience in John 21, 
What happens? Peter has this amazing encounter with Jesus. Jesus says, well, do you love me? Peter says, yes. And Peter says, Jesus says, feed my sheep, take care of my church. And as soon as the encounter is done, what happens? Peter looks over and says, hey, John. Hey, Lord, what, you, what is John going to do? And he's like, Peter, focus here, Peter. Focus. Don't worry about John. I've already given you an assignment. I've already given you a purpose. Don't worry what's going to happen to him. Coming out of this amazing encounter, how many of us are like that? We just get so distracted. Maybe we come to the house of the Lord. Oh, we feel the presence of God. We say, yes, Lord, I'm going to serve you. And then we go out and we're like, oh, man, I'm so hungry. I need to go and do this and do that and do this and this and that thing. And we get just so distracted. Anyone here like that? Maybe. I think I'm, well, I'm preaching to myself. You can just listen on then. <laughs> but this is, what, this is what happened to Peter. Peter has this amazing encounter with Jesus, and he's thinking that as soon as it's done, he looks like, hey, but what about this guy? What is he going to do? And Jesus is like, Peter, focus here, Peter. Don't worry about this guy. I've given you an assignment. I don't know. If I was Jesus, I was like, forget. Peter, I've given you enough chances. Look, even now, you're still talking about somebody else. Look, Peter, I'm just going to give the responsibility to John. Right? If you're so constantly focused on John, just let John take care of it. No. See the love. See the trust. See the confidence. See the affirmation that, Pe- that Jesus has for Peter in the midst of everything that's going wrong in Peter's life. Jesus assured him that everything was not lost and that he still wanted Peter. And the second thing is that Jesus prepared him for the future. See, after talking about all of these things in John 21, we read these verses as well, verses 18 and 19. Jesus tells Peter something really hard and difficult. He says, I tell you the truth. He's speaking to Peter here. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You put your foot in your mouth. You said this, you said that. Messed up. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand. And others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Same words that Jesus used for Peter initially when Jesus called Peter. He reaffirms that and says, Peter, follow me. This encounter with Jesus is something so amazing. I don't know about you, but sometimes we think, like the Apostle Paul, he had an encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. There was a big light and he was radically transformed and changed, right? And he becomes this amazing Apostle Paul. I don't know, I think I relate a little bit more to Peter. Because, you know, I have an encounter with Jesus, but then, hmm, it gets a little bit better. Oh, and then it goes down again. Like, Paul is just like, like some holy thing. But Peter is just up and down and up. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to the times when you're, you have an encounter with Jesus, so amazing and wonderful, and you're walking away and don't know what's going on? Or like on the Mount of Transfiguration, we didn't even talk about that. Peter was there, and you see this amazing, the glory of God coming down, and Peter's like, Jesus, you know, we'll make a little tent for you, and for, you know, for Moses and Elijah. Peter didn't know what he was talking about. Peter just enjoyed the experience. But there's so many times in our life where we're like that. Where maybe God draws us, and then we fail. When God blesses us, and then we hurt him. When God works in us so profoundly, And then we fail again. I want to tell you, Jesus wants to have an encounter with us and continue to have encounters with us that affirms us for who we are, 
that affirms us for his calling in our lives. Jesus wants to have an encounter with us so that we see our sinfulness, that we see how we fail, and that we can repent and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I failed you. Please forgive me. Help me, Lord, to change. But he gives us a vision of what he wants us to do. Jewish tradition tells us that it's not in the Bible, but that Peter was in Rome and there's a lot of persecution going on. And as he was walking and fleeing out of Rome because he was trying to avoid the persecution, he, he sees Jesus walking to Rome. And he asks Jesus this question in Latin, Covadis, where are you going? And Jesus says, I'm going back to Rome to be crucified with my people. Peter gets this idea, and I guess I should do that too. He turns around and goes back in, and Jewish uh, tradition and history says that Peter was crucified, but he didn't want to be crucified like Jesus was crucified, so they, he asked to be crucified upside down. See, the affirmation of Jesus meant the world to Peter. The revelation of his calling, even after all of his failures, proved to Peter that there was hope. Now, I'm not sure what situation you're in here today, but can you see the beauty of the character of Jesus through these experiences, through these encounters? Can you see the beauty of Jesus in all of Peter's encounters and even in all of Peter's failures? Isn't it amazing how Jesus saw something wonderful and beautiful in Peter that he called him from being a fisherman to being a fisher of people, to be a fisher of people? Even in all of Peter's failings, Jesus' plan and purpose for Peter never changed. And he kept calling him back and kept affirming him and kept working in him. And Peter did amazing things for the Lord. I'll close with a story of a, a man, a young man. His name was Bill and his wife was Vonette. And they had a domestic dispute. From that domestic dispute, they decided to write up a contract with God where both of them pledged to become slaves for Christ. That was the beginning of something that would impact the entire world. Within 24 hours, Bill had an encounter with the Lord that radically changed his life. God had given him a vision for a ministry that would reach the entire world with the gospel, starting with university students. And after speaking with one of his professors, he decided to call that organization Campus Crusade for Christ. Anyone familiar with that? The founder, his name is Bill Bright. He had an encounter with God. He had a vision to reach the world because of that encounter. It started in UCLA in California. Within a year, 250 UCLA students received Christ, including the student body president, the campus newsletter editor, and many athletes. Within seven years, the organization had gone international and launched in South Korea. Bill Bright wrote many books, and, and, many of, and, and out of those books and booklets, probably the most famous one is called, Have You Heard of the Four Spiritual Laws? Being translated in over 200 languages and given to, printed about 2.5 billion copies. In 1979, they put out the Jesus film, which has become the most translated motion picture in history, shown in more than 1,500 languages and in every nation in the world. To date, Jesus, the Jesus Film Project is responsible for more than 7.7 billion exposures to the gospel and more than 530 million total estimated decisions for Christ. They've started numerous other ministries like Athletes in Action, which is a sports ministry, a ministry for marriages, a city, inner city ministry. In Canada, it's called Power to Change. 
It's impossible to estimate the impact that Bill Bright and this organization had over the years. But millions have been impacted because one man had an encounter with Jesus that radically changed his life. Worship team, you can come up. All because one person had an encounter with Jesus and like Peter, was given a vision to care for Jesus' sheep. But do you know the secret to all of this? It was prayer. They started their ministry with a 24-hour prayer chain. When they decided to launch, this is how they launched, with a 24-hour prayer chain. Fasting and prayer was one of the hallmarks of Bill Bright's life and ministry, and he wrote a lot about it. Many times in his life, he fasted for 40 days to seek the Lord. In 1988, his wife, Vonette, helped introduce legislation that President Ronald Reagan signed to declare the, f- the first Thursday in May as the National Day of Prayer. In 1994, Bill Bright fasted for 40 days, and he issued a call for prayer and fasting for revival in America. More than 600 Christian leaders met for this fasting and prayer conference. Can you imagine that? Fasting and prayer conference. Thousands joined the conference, and in 1998... Thousands joined with over 4,000 satellite links. It all started with an encounter, and it was all fueled by prayer. Can I ask everyone just to stand? The question is, what are we waiting for today? Jesus is waiting to have an encounter with us that will radically change us and cause us to surrender everything to him. Don't worry about mistakes. We all make mistakes. Jesus has a wonderful purpose and plan for our lives. And if we want to be like Peter, we need to surrender unconditionally. I don't know what situation you're in today. Peter's business was booming, and Jesus said, come and follow me. And Peter said, forget all that. I'll follow Jesus. And he made made failure after failure and mistake after mistake. But Jesus continued to affirm him. In that last verse that we read when Jesus was talking to Peter, the Lord said to Peter, he said, there's going to come a time when you're going to stretch out your hand and another is going to lead you to places you don't want to go. It doesn't sound very nice, but in surrender to the Lord, he leads us to places that maybe we don't want to go. We're going to sing this song, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. But before that, can I just ask everyone to close your eyes right now? And if you feel the Spirit of the Lord moving on your heart, If you feel the Lord speaking to you that says, you need to surrender my son, you need to surrender my daughter, and if you're willing for that, can I just ask you just to stretch out your hand right now as a symbol and as a sign, Lord, I'm willing to surrender. Lord, I'm willing to yield to you. Lord, I don't know what you have in store for me, but Lord, I want to surrender. Let's just stretch out our hand to the Lord as an act of surrender, as a sign of surrender to the Lord and say, yes, Lord, use me today.